you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you, and welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred. I get to be your host today, and I am sitting across from my BYU roommate, freshman year, sitting across from her, excited to share her story because she was a big deal then, and then like, holy smokes, she has taken the world by storm in all things color, design, awesomeness. She's laughing her head off. She's the great Brittany Watson Jepson. And so if I start calling her Brittany Watson, it's because that's how I knew her for forever. She's from wonderful California and has some really great experiences to share. So Brittany, thank you for being here. <laughs> but laugh. This is hysterical. Thank you for having me. We could just fill fill the room with stories of freshman year, and I think oh. they'd be bored, but we'd have a blast. I think we would have a little too much fun, and I think no one wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> probably true. It's probably true. Now, um, you are the brilliant genius mind behind the house that Lars built, which wasn't this some sort of like a project for school or a master's or like, what were you doing? How did this even happen? And what does the house that Lars built do? Yeah. So I went to graduate school, after BYU, I went to graduate school for interior design in Washington, DC at an art school. And right before the semester where I created it, I went to do an internship in New York and my coworkers there were talking all about blogs. Right. And so I, at the time, I didn't know what blogs were. I didn't know that. Well, I did. I knew what mommy blogs were. And I was like, not interested. I don't, I'm not a mommy, whatever. Not interested in your babies. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, how life has changed. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, so I started to see how cool they could be, like potential design blogs. And I thought, oh, well, that's cool. I think I can see a potential there. And then I remember that President Ballard gave a talk at the commencement of BYU Hawaii talking about how we needed to get online and share stories and he said start blogs and so I, I put the two together and I thought well if we're being asked to do it this is the way I want to do it so I started the house that Lars built for one of my school projects and it was for a fictitious family. I was designing a house for this fictitious family, and I named the dad Lars. And every character in the family represented a different part of the house. Like, he represented fashion. The mom represented painting. The son represented um, music. The daughter represented crafts. And so everything that went on, the house that Lars built, was something that, that represented each one of these things. So I would post about the my schoolwork, like the floor plans of this house I was creating and some of the furniture that was going into it. And, and soon that semester ended and I just kept it up for portfolio purposes. Like if I had something cool to post from school, you know, I would put it on. This was 2008 and nine when um, 
it was still not really anybody was reading it. I mean, maybe my family, but probably not. Like, that's how small it was. I mean, this this is now 10 years old, and so it was for portfolio, and then that summer, I did an internship for Design Sponge, which is one of the biggest design uh, blogs. And I also spent that summer in Scandinavia. So I was the Copenhagen correspondent, and I'm doing that in air quotes, you can't see that. But that wasn't the title of the series. And so I would interview designers in Scandinavia. So in Norway, uh, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and post pictures of their homes. So on my end, it was kind of a selfish thing. It was a way for me to get inside cool people's homes. And then, and then people, because I was posting to a larger platform, were coming to visit my site. I still didn't have a focus. It was not craft related. It wasn't, you know, it was just me posting about my experiences at that point. Then that, let's see, the next year, well, back up. I don't mean to give a full on history, but I guess it's turning into that. But keep going, um, <laughs> keep going. It's fascinating. So that summer I met my now husband, Paul. Uh, we went back and forth between D.C. and Denmark for a little while. And then the next year we got married. So we did a full-on DIY wedding. My sister, my mom, they were amazing. And they helped me put on this DIY wedding where we did these huge paper flowers. This was before anyone was doing huge paper flowers. Yes, it we was. We have to make sure our listeners <laughs> understand the timing because I can walk into my Hobby Lobby right now and see huge paper flowers. and I go. This is Britney's. Isn't that crazy? This is Britney's. You started this. You know, it is really crazy. And it's fun to see how it's taken off and how people use it for, you know, parties and weddings and like forever. Like what year did you get married? 2010. So it's been eight years now. Eight years yeah. and it's still here. Yeah. So it's still here for some reason. People and paper flowers in general are going crazy. Um, so that's the history of it. And since then, I, I moved to Denmark and I couldn't work for a while. So I worked on my blog and, you know, I treated it as a job because I couldn't work. And soon I started to get jobs from it. You know, I started to post about my DIY wedding and people started to ask, oh, how'd you make this from the wedding? So I posted about it. And then I was like, oh, people are really liking DIYs. And I didn't really know that was a thing. So all of a sudden I was pushing myself to do more and more and people were starting to come and I would contribute to different websites. So I knew there was a need and I was starting to fill it and I was getting paid like anywhere from a hundred dollars to $300. But for me, because I, I wasn't able to make anything, I was like, this is amazing. And soon I was able to pay off my student loans, um, which was for not having a real job. It was really, I was really stoked about it. <laughs> oh, for sure. And you think back and you just think, that was a really kind of special time because you're starting to see starting to see people take notice and starting to see your stuff be shared and and all those right. things so do you feel like what was the tipping point obviously you were unable to work in Denmark now i think it's important your husband was in Denmark and that's why right, right yeah why he, he's from Denmark he was working in Denmark so we got married and then i moved there yeah which sounds kind of magical you know what it sounds magical right and it was tough for you, if I remember. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Yeah. I did not have a magical experience. I had a magical experience when I was there. 
as a student because it was summertime and I was like whisked away. I was riding my bike on these adventures. I rode up to Hamlet's castle and, you know, I did all these things. And then when I went there to move permanently, I moved there in September and it was, you know, already basically winter. And I'm, as you mentioned, I'm from California. And so it was like, oh, wait a minute this is not the weather I was born into and I'm not really into it. Um, and then I didn't really find friends really. So there were all these factors leading to me being on my own a lot, being in my apartment, not seeing humans for a lot of time. I ended up getting a studio in downtown Copenhagen with some, some people about two years after we lived there. So up until then I didn't really have friends or see people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. A lot of things coming together. So you had, you felt like you had no friends. You were in a place that was in, the weather was keeping you in. Mm -hmm. You were unable to work for, if I remember kind of government reasons for a while or something. Right. Uh -huh. to work. And do you, looking back on that, I love the statement that you said, you said, I had to treat it like a job because I couldn't work. <laughs> I had right. to blog like a job. Like, do you look back and find purpose in how this all lined up? Totally. Um, you know, if I hadn't have had this time where I couldn't work, I definitely wouldn't have been able to spend time on Lars and, and treat it as a job. You know, I think had I not gone to Denmark in the first place, had I not gotten married, you know, I probably would have been in New York or some, that's where I would have hoped to have been. Um, I would have been working for somebody full time and I wouldn't have had time to do my own thing. So um, I really actually, the more I look back on that time and, and see, I, I really view it as the Lord prepping me for um, and guiding me to do what I do. There is no reason why what I have today should work other than he kept on saying, no, you need to do this. And he would help that along through these experiences. And, you know, at, at one point I became uh, the breadwinner of our family and I should have gotten a real job. And I tried really hard to get a real job when we moved back to the States. Can we put real job in quotes? <laughs> I, we can put it out a real <laughs> quote for sure. <laughs> because, um, I mean, there's a lot of these new jobs that, um, you know, are now real, but they never would have been before. True. Um, so yeah, I, um, I tried to get that quote unquote real job. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get a job. I mean, I had a master's degree. I should have been able to get a job here in Utah. And for whatever reason I didn't. And again, once I felt like the Lord was just saying, no, you need to do this. Um, and people started to ask me to do different jobs. Like I wasn't being very, I, I was being very active and trying to get jobs, but they kind of came to me and that's how I was like, great. I'll just, I'll take this for $200, take that for $200, take this, you know? And I was, I was working a lot, but it somehow paid off our bills. And while my husband was going to school, I was able to provide for our family. That's mind blowing. It, it's mind blowing. Like today I'm like, I have no idea how we're sitting here with food and an apartment and all this stuff because it doesn't really happen like this. It doesn't. It's really a rarity. And I think a lot of our listeners want to hear that kind of honesty that like this, this takes some serious tipping points, you know, and sometimes those are dark tipping points in, in Denmark and those are dark tipping points in 
in Utah for you when you're like, I am clearly qualified people. I've done the DC gig. I've been the Copenhagen correspondent for crying out loud. Like, why is this not happening for me? And one thing you you said a couple of minutes ago that I want to ask you about and kind of push you on is you said, I, I'm looking here at what I do and there's no reason why it should be working the way it does. Why do you say that? Is it because it's a crowded market or that you're just so blown away that technology has brought us to this point? Or why do you say that, that there's no reason it should be working? Um, because I wasn't being proactive. I didn't have a dream at that point. I didn't have a dream to do what I do. I didn't have all of the connections I needed to make money. It, things were just aligning without me having to work at it. And not to say that you have to work, you have to not work at it for it to be successful. Not at all. There was just for some reasons, some higher purpose in why I needed to do what I do. And so because of that, I approach it as a mission as opposed to a job, I suppose. I mean, it's definitely a job too. And I say job in that I work a lot and I work every day and I get paid for what I do, but I have employees now. So it's definitely a job, um, but it's also a mission. There was some point where I, um, it was actually, where was I? I was reading DNC 89 and there's a verse that talks about, Okay, I'm so sorry. It's not DNC 89, it's DNC 82. And I came across this a couple years ago. And then when as soon as I read, it, I said, Oh, that's that's what the Lord has been preparing me to do. And it was it's 8214. For Zion must increase in beauty and in holiness, her borders must be enlarged, her stakes must be strengthened. Yea, verily I say unto you, Zion must arise and put on her beautiful garments. And there's a few things going on here. One of them is her borders must be enlarged, which, you know, it's, it's, that's physically, it's also missionary spreading the gospel. So I, I wrote, that's not my mission. My mission isn't necessarily to um, spread the gospel through my voice, but it's Zion must increase in beauty. And I took that as my personal mission, like, oh, I need to add beauty to Zion and I need to show people how to add beauty to their lives. And as soon as I got that, that was like, that's it. Okay. So now I have like a full on mission. My mission is to provide tools for people to learn how to make things and add beautiful things to their lives. That's incredible. What an incredible foundation. And we, we constantly talk to our listeners and amazing influencers like you who um, are kind of surprised that their expertise, whether it's, you know, cake, Cakes by Courtney, right, who does beautiful cakes, right, or it's Becky Higgins who does these incredible life story um, experiences for people in scrapbooking, whatever you want to call it, um, that they're surprised that like, that that's a great way to share the gospel <laughs> or that's a great way to, to reach the hearts of people are through these very normal things like cakes right. and scrapbooking and, and design like what you do. And so have you had, do you feel like you've had missionary experiences through the house that Lars built or what has you been know. your, and I know that's not your mission. Yeah, my, I'm not always very verbal. I don't, you know, talk about um, my testimony per se. Um, and I'm not, some influencers <laughs> are very good about just saying straight up, I'm a Mormon, here's Book of Mormon. And, you know, I don't do it that way because I, it is, um, you know, it's a business just like anybody else. And, but we definitely share it through the things we make and the, our nature. 
And one example I'll give is a few months ago, we were in New York for a trade fair and um, someone came up to me who's been reading for a long time and she said, Brittany, there's just something about what you guys do that's different. There is a light, there's a purity to what you do. And I was like, oh, yes. that's, <laughs> yes. that's what we're trying to convey. And you know, um, some people comment on that every now and again, but to hear somebody say it in those words was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you, you feel that because what we're trying to make isn't just, isn't just candy for the eyes, but I hope you feel the soul to it too. And so it was just a really lovely thing to hear from, from a reader. And, and again, I haven't heard of anybody being baptized, you know, from it, but um, that's not necessarily my goal. It's to spread goodness through what we create. And, and going back to what President Ballard said in his commencement speech, he said, we all have different gifts and skills and we just need to use them in whatever way we can. I love, oh, I'm just dying. I'm just dying because this actually leads into one of our viewers questions where she feels like she's at the very beginning of trying to do a blog and inspire and, and do all these things, but she really does not feel pushed to share bluntly her religion that she doesn't, she doesn't feel like it fits for her. And she feels like, am I, does that mean I'm ashamed? Does that mean I'm shy about it? Does that mean I'm not using the potential of technology to baptize people, you know, those kinds of things. And that was something she posed to you to say, oh. am I terrible for not, for not being, for, for not feeling pushed to share my testimony and post what, what church I go to? What are your thoughts? Oh, you know what? I think, um, not at all. Not at all. You are, I mean, maybe you're ashamed. I don't know. That's up to you. I don't think you're ashamed just because you're not verbal about it. Listen, I think sometimes we get confused when we hear something like that, that we have to be really blunt in sharing it. That That's not true. You can certainly be very blunt about it and be very verbal about it. But I think that everybody should do it in that in the way that they want to. If you look at any successful business person who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, are they saying, hey, stay in my Marriott hotel and um, also I'm a Mormon and, you know, you, no, you, you share it through your values, you share it through um, your work mission. You don't have to say, you, you have to beat it into people that, oh, this is what I do. Not that um, you're not ashamed, but they, that's not a component of of your of your business and the same with me I don't want my religion to be a factor for everybody you know not that I think that they would not read it if if they knew I was but I just don't I don't they don't need to know that <laughs> right and and clearly people are still getting there's you're still inviting the spirit into people's lives I hope so. That's what we're Literally. trying to do. And you know, now that I have a team of people, um, we're all on the same page. And it's something that's very important to people. And I think as we have a great internship program, every semester we have new interns. And this is something we talk to them about every, every semester as we share that scripture. And we say, listen, as you are a part of Lars this semester, we are, um, through the things we say and the things we make, we're, we're representing something good. So I hope you're on board for that. So what kind of, I love how you say we're all on the same page. What kind of parameters do you give your team 
Um, I think it's so fancy that you have a team, by the way. And I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you about that in a minute. Um, but what kind of parameters do you feel like you have needed to set as the boss um, to make sure that it does come across as beautifying and uplifting and still in line? Like, what kind of examples can you give to say, look, this is this is a way that we are standing up for something great and beautiful and filling it with the spirit. Like, what is it that makes it different? Why was that girl in New York like, this is different. You're different. Yeah. So we, we've really tightened up on our branding. So, um, meaning that there are certain keywords that we just use to describe our company. Okay. Some of them are, you know, whimsical, refined, elegant, fun, colorful, things like that. And it's not like pure, it's not virtuous, it's not praiseworthy of, you know, <laughs> it's not necessarily the 13th article of faith, but it is in the way that we have, that we share the words we use in our captions, you know, the types of projects we're creating, like, you don't know it, but we have a visiting teaching, a ministering <laughs> gift. Let me be correct here. I'll just say visiting teaching because that's how we started making. We have little visiting teaching gifts once a month. We don't call it a visiting teaching gift, but oh we have God. it. So you can go on and say, oh, for Halloween, we have this that you can bring to your ministering person, whatever. Um, so it's sneaky. the things we make. What's that? You're sneaky. Yeah, but it's, it's also brilliant. like, I hope that people, whether they visit, teach or minister or not, that they will go take something to their neighbor. Well, know? that's, that's the principle, right? Yeah. Taking care of one another. Right. Exactly. Um, so whether you're a part of the church or not, like we can all benefit from being good to other people. Um, and it's also in the, in the way that we share online, you know, we don't, uh, there's certain terms we don't use, you know, there's certain language we don't use, but that that's, you know, pretty typical for every brand, you know, but um, yeah, I think it just comes from who we are as people and hopefully we're being good people so that, that we can communicate that. And the message that I'm hearing here that our wonderful listener can benefit from is that you are 10 years into this and you just said, look, we've just really tightened up our brand a lot. And, and so that doesn't mean that as of right now, she needs to have it all figured out. Oh no. That this is forever evolving. That's so, yeah, that's a good point because I now have a business partner and she came on board three years ago. And at one point she was like, so Brittany, like we need to tighten up our branding. And I was like, what do you mean? I like, I really know what my brand is. And she's like, yeah, but what you see from your brand and what I see from the brand are totally different. And she comes from a finance background, finance. So it's very different from what I do. Um, and in my mind, it was perfectly clear. Yes. <laughs> and to her, she's like, I, I could not verbalize to you exactly what Lars is, but I know there's these things. So what we ended up doing is we did some studies with our friends and family saying like, what do you think the Lars brand is? And we asked like a variety of people, like our friends and our family all are not creative. And so we got so many answers <laughs> that I was like, say what? You think what we're do this? You think I, do? <laughs> I know. I'm like, can you think I just sit at home? Like, okay. I am sitting at home in my PJs today, but I normally <laughs> never am sitting at home in my PJs today. <laughs> 
Like this is a rarity because my sitter canceled and I could, didn't have time to shower. But I normally, um, like people just didn't know. And so we learning how to communicate what we do and who we are, it's really been a, a great experience because now I can tell you exactly what we do and what our mission is and what we hope people get out of it and who our readers are. And all of those things help to create a strong brand, a strong communication platform. I love it. I, I love it. You've got great business sense and I love how you were gutsy enough to trust your partner to say, oh, maybe well, you're right. Oh, well, you know, she, she's <laughs> amazing and she is able to, we're very yin and yang, you know, we're very opposites in so many ways. That's very nice of you to say that I have business sense. I don't actually have great business sense, but I have great ideas and I think I am able to present them in a lovely way. She is very good at, um, project managing. She's great at making things happen. She's great at vision as well, but in a different way. Um, so you put us together and, you know, we're, I think we're strong as a team. Of course, there's business partners can always be tricky because, you know, where I think in one way or I work in a certain way, that's a little more abstract. <laughs> she's sure. very linear and she's like, she gets things done in a very practical way. And I'm like, what about receipts? Who needs them? Like they're over there and they're over here and who knows where they are right now. Quote of the day. What about receipts? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, I just love it. I love it so much. So let me, let me ask you, um, turn this on its head a little bit. When I first met you, you're the bomb.com first. That's <laughs> <laughs> most important thing for people to know. When I first met you, you have always had this way about you with style, with design. I mean, cl clearly my bedspread, I think was a Toy Story bedspread in college, probably. <laughs> and yours probably could have been on the cover of Pottery Barn, right? <laughs> we just run totally different planets as far as where her gifts continue to lie <laughs> and where I've grown up. But he, one of the funny things that I so attribute to our freshman year is you had a love for Prince William. Okay? <laughs> okay? He was on your bulletin board. Oh my gosh. His dream was to serve a mission, convert the prince. Yeah. It all was going to happen. And there's something kind of funny and three, you know, full circle about this. <laughs> Because you did serve a mission. Tell them where you served. Brazil. <laughs> so, so it was very close. <laughs> very close. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> so you served in Brazil. And you did come home. And I'm trying to get the timing of all of this correct. But so the Prince William thing didn't work out. But something associated yeah. with he Prince William. He missed out. He did miss out. You know, he missed out. I will forever say she is second place to you. We won't even I name know. her. <laughs> but this is fascinating. And I laugh about this because something associated with Prince William threw you into the spotlight a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So share your experience with yeah. Prince William. And then I actually have a question about what this road, how this road took your business. Okay. Well, that's okay. Thank you for bringing this up. First of all, <laughs> it's very crucial that people know this part of my life. <laughs> I was supposed to marry Prince William. And you know what? 
I didn't. And the sad fact is I didn't. And instead I married Paul from Denmark. And so happily ever after, both sides. Okay. So I was living in Copenhagen and I was like, listen, if I can't be his bride, I am going to exploit his wedding. <laughs> my friend was Successfully. Like, yeah. So I was my, I had a friend who lived in London and she was like, Hey, come, why don't you come over for the Royal wedding? And I was like, Hey, how about we do some, um, Royal like wedding souvenirs. And so like two months before the wedding, I was calling Thailand, India, I was calling everywhere to figure out how to make commemorative mugs and plates and maps and what else? Keychains, like all these things. I don't know what got into my head to think that I, that would be a good idea. I had no money. I had no experience doing products, but I was like, "Dur, I'm going to do this. But William owed you. So. William owed me this. <laughs> so um, I ended up finding a manufacturer in England and my friend I shipped them to my friend in London and she was wonderful and she um, started selling them to boutiques around London and then soon people I, I opened up an Etsy shop and people started buying them and they got featured everywhere they got featured like across the world people were buying them by the droves hugely and more successful than you anticipated yeah. And I, I would, I think what was more, even more successful than the money aspect um, was the promotion that came from it. People started to come Brilliant. to my Etsy shop and to Lars. And I was like, it was very unexpected because this was before Instagram. This was before I ever, ever had a marketing plan. You couldn't pay for the promotion that I got. And I know that now because <laughs> We, oh wait, I should finish up my first story and then I'll get to that. But so we went to London for the Royal Wedding and we, my friend who was much more gutsy than I am, she was just selling them off the street like, hey, do you want a Royal Wedding mug? And do you want this? And people were buying them. Like we were, we watched the wedding on this grass in a park in London where they had set up these huge jumbotrons and it was so lovely but she was like selling them and then while we were there Vogue came over to me and was like hey can I take your picture because I was wearing this big paper flower fascinator on my head and I was like yeah sure CNN came up and all these people were started to feature me and then we opened up a booth on Portobello Road that day and we sold on Portobello Road and so it was kind of it was actually so fun and I say all of this did we make our money back no we put in a lot, I ordered way too many products. Like I thought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were going to buy them, but not that many people bought them. Um, so we just didn't had no gauge. This was like, new. I didn't no know. Gauge. And I, like, mm -hmm. I didn't set up any type of financial model. It was all like me thinking, oh yeah, thousands of people are going to want this. Um, so we had lots of product left over. Um, and I compare that to now when Harry and Megan got married earlier this year and we were like, oh, lots of people have written in asking if we'll do it again. So we did it again. And this time we had, we still didn't have as much time because they never told us in advance that they were getting engaged. Like, hello. Like, rude. Royal family owes you. It's true. Yeah. It, they owed me and they still didn't make it happen. And I was also, I had a baby. So, so we still didn't have that much time to work on it. But 
for with all the promotion we got the first time around, we didn't get it the second time around. And so it just, um, even though I had many less followers, um, not as many people are seeing it because now you have to pay for all your promotion on Instagram and Facebook. So because of the algorithms, not as many people saw it. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. interesting. I will never forget going on Vogue the day of the wedding and seeing you, not knowing you were there and being oh, like, really? oh my cred, that is my roommate <laughs> in the that, flower hat. Isn't that crazy? It was crazy. They featured what, like 15 hats maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like Victoria Beckham and what's his and name? You. And you. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next slide was me and Paul. <laughs> Just thought, crazy. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. She's going places. This is amazing. <laughs> and now a quick break. Hey, you guys, this podcast is brought to you by, well, me and Sarah, and we are super excited to talk to you about our quest mentoring. If you are growing a business or if you are following your quest and feel a little bit stuck, well, this is for you um, because with our 17 years of business between us and almost nine kids, we know that you have to do things differently. So if you are paralyzed about making mistakes, so you don't, cause you don't want to waste time or money and, or you, maybe you just don't know what the next step is, then this mentoring is for you. And so all you have to do is it's sign up for monthly mentoring where you are going to get a monthly masterclass that is going to grow your quest. You're going to be surrounded in our Facebook group by women who get it, who are cheering you on and you're going to become clear and confident in your quest because Sarah and I are going to be there personally for you. And guess what? All you have to do is sign up right now for a dollar. It's seven days for a dollar. You get access to our trainings, our Facebook group, and us for one buck. Are you kidding me? So go to thewomenwithfire.com slash say yes and sign up today and get clarity and get confidence in your next step on your quest. And now back to our podcast. Perfect. So that, I mean, you have talked about adjustments as far as your marriage and moving to Denmark and your courtship and all these kinds of things. Um, What about motherhood? I love it so much. I love motherhood so much. And you would have thought that I would have listened to people when they were like, motherhood's so great. But you know what? I was honestly disinterested. I was like, I don't care that you love it. That's cool. Back from but, your mommy blog days. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I, You know, I don't think anybody should have children unless they're ready to have children because you need to be in a right state of mind. And I wasn't in a right state of mind. And not that I was in a wrong state of mind. I just wasn't focused on that um, for a while. And then finally I was a couple years ago and I had a miscarriage and that was like, oh, 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 I guess this isn't going to work in my timeline. Okay. So that was kind of a wake-up call. And then we felt just so lucky to have a baby boy. I I think we felt so grateful that this experience has been so wonderful for us. Like, not everyone is blessed to have children. And I feel very, very happy that we do get to call ourselves parents. And we have a sweet little Jasper boy who I love so much. And he is, like, honestly, I just feel magical things around him. I love it. That's, that's what you want to feel. Yeah. And do, do you, I know that this may not have been how your life particularly worked out. Um, but one of our listeners has reached out with a desire to do something out, outside of motherhood. 
um, whether that is blogging or a project or something like that. She feels like she has a lack of identity within motherhood. And so even though that, you know, you brought Jasper on and I know you took some time off and stuff, but you're, you are back to running Lars and, and making magic happen and everything. Um, what kind of steps could she take to try and own some identity? Um, when she's with her new baby. Yeah, you know, I am, I actually returned to work pretty quickly after having Jasper. Um, and, you know, it wasn't an ideal timeline. Um, I would have loved to have taken like real work off. But I think I was also very grateful to have something to focus on that wasn't only my baby because focusing on one subject for 24 hours a day, you know, that can be, you need a little brain release and a release of your of your talents and your skills in another capacity and you know not and, and I say this my, my precursor to this is everyone has a different life or a different um, uh, focus of how they want to use their time and I think you should do whatever you feel called to do I personally feel grateful to be able to focus my efforts in another way too and I think it can be a healthy thing. So I say, oh, if you don't already know what that is, I think I would make a list of what you think you're good at. I would make a subsequent list of the different platforms that you have for that. And then I would make another list of what your dream jobs are. And then I would do a lot of brainstorming, like write them down, visualize, and, a, and this might sound a little too kumbaya, but I would make a, a vision board of like a mood board of what you want in life. I, I've heard many things. A lot of people have talked about how they're motivated. They're motivated by money. They're motivated by power. They're, I um, find myself that it's better for me to visualize the life that I'd like. And through a lot of trial and error, I have found that I am motivated by beautiful things and um, I have envisioned the life that I want to create. So I think um, by first taking those steps to think about what you want and what you're good at, I think you'll be able to narrow down on what it is you should do. You know, and if it's just that you need money, you need to go and get a part-time job. We're really lucky right now in this time of history that there are a lot of jobs that you can work from at home. And there are a lot of jobs for mothers who have just had babies. So I would explore your options. It's not always a multi-level marketing job, by the way. Um, I think those can sometimes be... Um, uh, not the best fit for everybody. So I like to encourage people to find jobs where um, they are using their skills and um, not having to rely on their friend base to sell products. So I think, yeah, make those lists and figure out what it is. It's not always a blog. I think sometimes you might see people and they, you think they're doing it, but you're, but maybe that's not the best platform for you. And what I really like about what you're doing, Sarah, is that you have found a platform that I think is so suited to your skills. You're very, you've always been very good at talking and getting things out of people. And so I think this is like the perfect outlet for you. And is podcasting for everybody? Nope. Podcasting isn't for me. I'm not a great, I'm not great at pulling things out of people. Um, so it wouldn't be a great fit for me, but I think, I think I'll, another way to do it is to just try it out and see if it is good for you. 
but um, blogging is a lot of work. It just is like you have to know a lot of different things and maybe there's a different platform for you, but I would research what those platforms are and then find what's best for you. I love this. I love so much of what you just said. Um, two things really stuck out to me. The first is to, to look, look at your skill set. Like don't, don't just try to, and I, I don't mean this in a harsh way. Don't just try to copy somebody. Don't just say, well, lots of people are doing the blog thing. So I think that's where I'm going to go. It may be where you're supposed to go. Right. 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 Um, well, and I think a lot of time we spend a lot of time on Instagram lately. Right. So, um, and I say we, and I mean, hopefully collectively we, but, um, <laughs> Sometimes we'll see inf these influencers or these fashion Instagrammers or whatever, and we think, oh, oh, that's what I need to do now. No, I can so it's do not. That. No, you could. Maybe that is what you need to do. But no, it's not. There's so many different ways. If you went to school for accounting, there are so many different things you can do. If you went, if you don't even have a degree, there are different things you can do. And it's not just being a an influencer or selling things online. There's so many different things. Love that. And I know your feelings about the word influencer. So I will try and use it carefully. <laughs> I, I think it's a silly <laughs> phrase. That's what she's trying to do. <laughs> I, I love this. And I mean, I look at, you know, your life, Brittany, and I look at even Michelle and I's approach with Women With Fire. We have totally rebranded in the past year based on the last time I saw you. And just fascinating because podcasting was the fourth platform attempt that we tried fourth and I think of yours and I think of you got an art history degree at BYU and then you went and did a master's and then you were doing Copenhagen and learning this and you were in New York and you were like pulling all these experiences and you were t teaching paper flower classes I remember that I remember I have one of your commemorative maps from the wedding and like all these things like it is so and I don't want to say it's trial and error but there are purposes to the failure uh -huh. or purposes to the stagnation uh -huh. um, that may happen. And so I love that she's asking the question, but I love how what you've recommended that she do is something actionable, like get it out, put it together, put it on a vision board and, and see where you're guided. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be an, <laughs> this instant thing that blows up how you want it to, but man, the process is important. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, being in the blogging world, you know, I've been able to try a number of different things. You know, is it teaching online? Is it, I'll pretty much say yes to everything people introduce me to because I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that's a good fit. Who knows? I won't know until I try it. So I've done classes online. I've done a shop and I've reopened up at that shop. I've tried a newsletter in the past. I stopped doing a newsletter. We're doing a newsletter again. Like um, we've done everything because I figure, well, how will I know if readers will like it until I try it? So yeah, you kind of do have to try it. And you know, what? it can get tiring. And I've I've met with a lot of people who, where I've given them advice and they want, they're get, they're really passionate about starting a blog and, and so they start and then I notice they're not doing it anymore and I get really bummed out for them because I think, oh, well, maybe, maybe that wasn't right for them or maybe the, like life happened and it was too much and I get bummed out because I, I want them to find what they're good at and what, 
will work in with the time that they have and will work with their family. Um, but ultimately you can't know until you try it out. But um, I think what's good is that she is asking questions. And I think asking questions from people who are doing it is such a great research tool. So I would suggest keep on doing that. Love it. Love it. So I have two final questions for you and they're super opposite. One's business and, and one's about your soul a little bit. <laughs> so business-wise, one of the things that I have just admired from afar is, um, and something you mentioned in the very first minute of your interview, is the connections that you have built, the connections that the Lars brand has built. We're talking major connections, major connections um, with other brands. Um, how do you even get started with that? Gosh, how does that happen with someone that, that's just under a thousand followers on Instagram or, or, or doesn't have this huge base to try and tout to a brand? How do you get started with collaboration and brands? Right. So I'll explain a little bit about what I've done and then hopefully provide some tools for what you can do. I, I went to graduate school. I, you know, I did undergrad at BYU too. So you never know where your connections will take you. I remember in undergrad, I remember thinking that my pool of friends was like small and, but now I look at my friends like you and um, other people and I, they're all doing really amazing things. You never know where your friends are going to go. And the, the, the older you get, the cooler things they're going to do because it's just how it, life works, you know? So I think you always have a pool of people to to network from. Um, and then I met, met, I was involved with a lot of things in school and graduate school. And I, I really went for it in graduate school. I figured if I'm going to go into debt for school, I am really <laughs> going to go for it. And you know what? I really did. I was, Motivation. <laughs> I was involved in this and I'm still paying off school loans, by the way. I, if I'm, so I really went for it and um, I got internships because I really went for it. Um, I worked really hard at it. I worked two at a time in New York and I've been able to draw from the the people who I met there. I was really fearless in a lot of ways. I would um, do these informational um, interviews with people just because I reached out and I, in the name of academia, my school projects I interviewed like the editor-in-chief of House Beautiful because I emailed him and because he was like great and so I I was just kind of I'm much I had much less fear then than I do now <laughs> um, wow, but that's where it started was fearlessness it's being fearless and saying why not who who else is going to be talking to them why not me you know so I think that's a part of it and then um, again, the older you get, the more connections you'll realize you have. So that's my that's my history with it. And oh, a part of it I think is also staying current. So now I don't have school, but I have conferences and I have uh, meetings. And whenever I go to a new city, I meet with people who live there, so I can get to know what they do, and so I can learn from them. I we're constantly trying to learn and to grow our um, resources within our company, and we're really good at that. But so that's my history. Now, what my takeaway to you is that um, I think 
you can create your own resources by meeting with people. Number one. Number two is getting really good at what you do. My work, Brilliant. I, Brilliant. you know, I have, um, I've gone to school for what I, well, in a way, crafting and design work. I went to school for design work. Crafting is kind of an extension of that. But I've gotten really good at what I do. And it's because I work a lot. You know, you've heard of the 10,000 hour rule. I don't know where I'm at with that, but I probably wouldn't be surprised if I'm close. But so I went to school, I got critiqued for my work and I've gotten really good at it. And I figured out some ways in, in which I can get better at it. Um, so I'd say there is no substitute for doing the work and for doing your work well. So if you're like, I wanna be a calligrapher, I say, look at the best calligraphy artists out there. Don't just look at who is near you or who is in, let's say you live in Utah and you want to be a calligraphy artist. Don't look just in the people in Utah. Look in the whole wide world. Look who's doing it well. Look and see if they have classes, workshops, learn from them, get really good at it because people will start to notice your amazing work and then have people critique it. Um, if you can meet with people, have them do a portfolio review. And my my sphere is more in the creative world, and and so I, I can't speak as much if you're in law or you know sure. retail or whatnot. But um, yeah, I say just there is no substitute for really great work, and then people will want to work with you because you do good work. You know, I see some people um, where I want to work with them because they have amazing work, and then some people I'm like, I don't. Maybe our brands don't align, but I can see potential in what you do. So I want to try and figure out a way in what we can work together. So that's my advice is to get really good at what you do and then just try and be fearless and reach out to people. I love this. I love this. That That's going to be my huge takeaway is the fearless nature because both roads are fearless. Reaching out to people uh -huh. saying, why not talk to me? you know, financial fearlessness of going and taking a class with someone across the world if need be or online or whatever it may be. And then the fearlessness of just saying, I'm just going to become awesome and someone is going to see this. Yeah. And, and pairing those together has worked so brilliantly for you. So brilliantly. I will still, and this is not even needed in this interview, but I will never forget. I think it was like the Danish ambassador's house that you decorated with recycled garbage or something. Yeah. I will never forget it. And I am clearly the Toy Story sheet girl. And so I have no, <laughs> no design brain. I will hire you one day to do my house, but I will never forget that. So even someone like me with no brain for it, unforgettable because well, your work is brilliant. You're very, you're very kind and generous. I will say this, Sarah Grace, which is you, has her own way of influencing because I remember. Oh dear. Because we lived together for two and a half years. I remember our second year, uh, you were so influential and such. People were just drawn to you. Like you were a magnet. And so all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I think I need to get Hello Kitty sheets. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but second year I got Hello Kitty sheets. Do you remember that? And the world was darkened to that day. <laughs> They were bright pink. I don't even know, like what the lipstick a, ones, the little lipsticks and stuff. Is on that it? what I don't it was? Know. <laughs> they lipsticks? I don't. I don't remember anymore. But all I remember is thinking, I never had a thing about Hello Kitty, but here I was just buying Hello Kitty sheets because 
I they were pink and you loved pink and I don't even I know what was pink. going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm serious. The world lost a little bit of light that day. <laughs> I'm glad you've regrouped and found <laughs> better inspiration. <laughs> oh, I just love it. I just love it. Well, I'm I'm so glad that I got the chance to talk with you and our listeners are so lucky. Oh, well, this is such a delight. I wish we could do this every week. That would be so fun. <sighs> It just is, as long as we can do it in our jammies still, that's the key. Oh, well, I kid you not. I don't really wear jammies to work. I'm a big believer in showering and changing my underwear, but you know what? Not today, my good friend. (laughs) Not today. That's how I know we're tight that way. It's like, this is the real deal. The real Brit right here. (laughs) I love it. So I have one more question for you and it's short and sweet. Okay. Our listeners are all women of faith who have a belief in God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. And one of the great things that we have found through this podcast is that these women are feeling stirred to do stuff in a variety of ways, to change, to stand up, to speak out, all those things. What have you experienced the past 10 years um, regarding how God feels about women? Um, Short and sweet, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, short and sweet. Let's not do that in a sense. I feel now more than ever that we have a great work to do. And the world is so loud with so many voices that maybe some are louder than ours. And maybe ours doesn't need to be as loud, but I think it can be just as powerful if we do it in our own way. And I think, you know, in the world right now is the time of women. And I think in many, many ways, it is the time of women because we are, um, I think we're starting to see how valuable our voices are and, and whether that's through an online presence or in our communities or whatnot, I think as the world becomes more equal, I think it's a very powerful platform for us and we need to, we need to be vocal but I don't think we need to do it in a way that is um, perhaps being celebrated today I don't think it needs to be through um, um, outrage and I think it doesn't need to be through language that maybe isn't inspiring I think we need to do it in a way that's clear that's inspired and we need to be really in tune with the spirit to know how to do that And so I think find your way of speaking clearly and go for it. And one thing that I like to do is to encourage people to make their choices and own them because you can never regret if somebody tells you to do something and you don't think it's right for you, that's not your choice. You need to make your own choices. You need to be inspired to do your own walk of life and not copy somebody. So find out what that is and do it. I like to do it in my own way, on my own channels, through my business, but um, you have your own way, and I think you need to find what that is. Oh, Britt, you're good as gold. (laughs) Good as gold. That's a very poignant message there of what women of faith and how they speak and the time of women and why yeah, that's important. Yeah, and, and going along with that, I think we just really need to stay in tune. Like we need to um, read up. We need to be well-versed in the scriptures and in what our 
our leaders have to say because we can get really sidetracked by a, a by a lot uh, by loud voices and by people who we we look up to and then we realize oh maybe we shouldn't be believing everything they say we need to be believing everything god wants us to know so i think tapping into what that is is important I love it. Well, you you are the best of the best. We're so thrilled to cheer on the Lars team <laughs> and the incredible things that it does. You've been good as gold since the day I met you. So You're very wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so glad you're doing this because I think there's no better person for it. You're the best. Thanks for joining us, Brett. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women with Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.